0: If you have a Bible, if you'll turn with me to First Peter chapter 5, it's a small little letter in the back of the Bible. It'll also be there in one verse in the book of Hebrews. If you don't have a Bible, no worries, we got one for you. Right in front of the pew, there should be a Bible there, and also the words will be on the screen for you. Kind of interesting, you know, when you rent a church, you're so grateful for a place like this, and it's like every week we find new things. Like we couldn't use our fellowship hall for our luncheon because they put new tiles in, and it's really dusty. And how about these new lights? Are they the brightest thing you've ever seen in your life? We've gone from barely being able to see to I think that planes might be trying to land here right now. But you know, hey, we're grateful Jesus is the light of the world. So for those of you who feel like these are a little bit bright, they are. Um, It's not that your pastor's got a huge ego and he wants to have the lights all bright. It's, uh, well, that's, that's what they put in. And so thank God that they put them in, I guess. So anyway. Hey, on this truly historic day, and this really is a historic day for the life of King's Chapel, I mean, this was an awesome day. Uh, we're going to continue this day in a sermon series entitled, The Glorious Body of Christ. Uh, in the month of January, we're focusing down, we're born down on what is the church. Why? Because we knew that we have officers joining and there's so many things happening in the life of our church. We're a new church, just a couple of years old, but today's significant. Because we kind of went from that that church plant to, wow, this is a church with elders and deacons and a KCWC. So we've been looking into God's word to tell us, who are we? And scripture describes us so beautifully. We are a part of the church, the glorious body of Christ. Now let that wash over you for a minute. Scripture says if you're a part of the church, you are a part where Christ is the head of the glorious body body of christ now i know what you're thinking i'm thinking the same thing we don't act very glorious very often do we and we kind of make a mess of it oftentimes don't we but in christ jesus through his righteousness and blood this is how he sees his bride he sees us as beautiful and as we've been looking into god's word and examining what scripture says there's been so many very important truths that we've learned about the church and one of the things we've learned it's it's all hands on deck although we have some great leaders that god has given to us Really, every single part is indispensable, Scripture says it. Remember, we looked at that in 1 Corinthians 12. The parts that seem weak, the parts that don't seem like they're that important, Scripture says, Jesus says, no, 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 every part, all hands on deck. If you're part of the Bride of Christ, we need you, Uh, and you are a vital part to us. Maybe you're not going to preach, maybe you're not going to sing, maybe right now you're not going to lead a Bible study, uh, but there's things for you to do. And also we learned last week that we are all part of one body. There is a oneness to us. This is exactly what Jesus prayed for in John 17 in his high priestly prayer at the end of his life. He says, I'm praying that there'll be one. And we are one in Christ Jesus. But we're many. And in that one, there were different. There's different parts. There's different gifts. There's different abilities. But we are the same uh, equal in Christ Jesus, but we're not the same giftedness but then we also see that Christ Jesus he himself he gave his bride gifts we looked at that in Ephesians 4 last week and the gifts that scripture tells us that Jesus gave us were leaders that these are the gifts to the church but it's really interesting right there in Ephesians 4 he says this is what I've done I'm giving you leaders these gifts watch this to equip the Saints which is basically say to equip the church for the work of ministry so it's not that, hey, great thing, we got, we got leaders now, they do the work. No, 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 they do the work of equipping you and me. They do the work of pouring into you God's word. Why? So together we flourish, so together we do the work of ministry. And then we also saw, and I can't leave this behind, that Jesus, in that passage in Ephesians uh, 4, it quotes Psalm 68, and it talks about a conquering king who, who gives gifts, those who are conquered those who are his now I love it because Psalm 68 says this conquering King received gifts but Jesus the King of Kings and Lord of Lords Jesus who conquered death and sin Jesus who conquers us he gives us gifts he gives us gifts he gives us a gift of righteousness he gives us a gift of justification he gives us a gift of adoption and he gives us the gifts. So just celebrate that reality. How often do the powerful and, and, and the wealthy give? And that is who our Jesus is. He gives us gifts through his victory. So Jesus gives us the gifts. Why? To shepherd the flock. So that the glorious body of Christ can flourish. He gives us shepherds. And so we are going to see that God gave us shepherds and our newly elected officers. And I'm going to be really hitting the accelerator. We're going to go through this pretty quickly. We've had a great, wonderful, full service. But I want to point out a few things to you. What does Scripture say about today? What does Scripture say about our leaders? So what we're going to just look at uh, this morning in God's Word is why is shepherding the flock necessary? Um, Why do we need to have these elders? What does shepherding the flock really mean? Um, Who is to shepherd the flock? How are elders to shepherd the flock? And how is the flock to respond or to treat these elders? And so here's the reality: uh, you're here you're either an elder or you're supporting an elder. So this is for all of us. So let's look to God's word. I'm going to read First Peter five uh, verses one through five and one verse uh, in Hebrews Hebrews thirteen. Let's be mindful that this is the very word of God. Uh, As a matter of fact, in honor of God's word, let us stand. Let us stand and honor uh, the word of the Lord um, today. Hear, Hear God's word. So I exhort the elders among you, Peter writes, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but by being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, that's Jesus, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be, subjective, be, be subject to the elders." clothe yourself and all of you with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then Hebrews 13, verse 17 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls and those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for what would be no advantage to you? The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And let's pray. O oh, Father God, may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And it's in Christ's matchless name that I pray. Amen. I love how this passage begins. It begins with Peter exhorting what he calls the fellow elders among us to shepherd the flock. Now, first of all, what I want you to see is how humble of Peter. I mean, Peter uh, is, is really, every time Scripture lists the apostles, disciples, guess what? Peter's always listed number one. Uh, Peter, and I, I love the fact that my name is middle name is Peter. I relate to him because he's usually the first to speak and oftentimes the last to think um he walks on water but he sinks because he loses faith i mean sometimes he knocks it out of the park he says to jesus you are the christ when asked who do people say i am and who do you say i am he says you're the christ you're the anointed one you're the son of the living god i mean it's amazing how peter sometimes gets it but then even to a little servant girl he denies even knowing jesus and so but here we have Je- here you have peter um and he says, by the way, I'm just a fellow elder, so I want you to exhort, uh, I want you to shepherd that flock among you. Now, I got to tell you a little bit more about Peter's story, because if you know Peter of the Bible, you know that even though Jesus said, you're going to deny me, he said, no, no, I'm not. He said, he said this about his other disciples, hey, if everybody else denies you, I'm your man. I got your back. As a matter of fact, Jesus, if I got to die with you, you and me, man, we're going down together. But you're not going to go down alone. And and Jesus is like, Peter, man, before the night's over, you're going to be denying me three times. And he does. And he not only denies him three times. One time was like to a servant girl. He was so embarrassed that night that he actually cried out and said, I swear to God, I don't even know this Jesus, dude. I mean, how humiliating. So at the end of that, Peter would eventually go back to fish. And as he's fishing, Jesus would say, hey, you know what? I'm not done with you. I'm going I'm to show up on the shore. I'm going to bring you back. And Jesus meets with Peter. And although Peter denied three times, Jesus asked him three times this question. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than these?" He's like, yeah, you know I do. He's going to say, well, feed my lambs. Hey, Peter, my man, do you love me, man? You know I do. All right, tend my sheep. Peter, denier. He didn't say that. He said, Peter, my man, do you love me? And Peter is like, oh, my goodness, Jesus, you know all things. You know I love you. Yeah, I'm a broken denier, but you know I love you. He says, feed the flock. So here you have Peter, the one who Jesus himself is commissioned to be an elder. And he's the one who's like the big wig in the church, right? But he's the one who's going to say, now, by the way, fellow elders among you, we got we to feed the flock here. We, we got we to do this out of love for Jesus. That's who this one is. So why is, but why is shepherding the flock necessary? And what I want you to know this is God has created us to be under the care of a shepherd from the very first pages of scripture this incredible god's love story of redemption god has made it very very clear that we are a people a very special people because we're made in his image and we're called to rule and reign for him so watch this we're a people with authority but he created us to be a people under authority to be under his authority here's the reality god has hardwired all of us to have the need of a shepherd, to have somebody over us. On our own, uh, and again, many times in the American ideal, it's this rugged individualism, but God didn't make us that way. On our own, uh, we cannot flourish as God has intended. We need one another. We certainly need Him more than anything, but we need to be shepherded. So why? Because God's created us that way. God has provided shepherds for His people throughout Scripture. The Bible continues to show us over and over that God provides for his people's shepherd to lead them. Some of their names are Abraham, or, or Moses, or David, or Elijah. Stories story is amazing how God shepherds his people through those he calls. But you know what about those shepherds? None of them are good enough. They're all knuckleheads, every single one of them. Every one of the shepherds that God raises up to lead his people, they mess up. And we're always longing for more. I mean. Can you ever give us a shepherd that's going to be good enough to really shepherd us? And the only one is his son, Jesus, the God himself. You know, I love this as well. Why do we have shepherds? Because God's people are suffering and they need a shepherd. If you look at what happens around chapter 5 in 1 Peter, in 1 Peter 4, God's people are suffering. And right after this, God's people are suffering. Hit pause. Are God's people not suffering? Are you not suffering? Is this not a really difficult time right now? I mean i love you i know your stories i i know that some of you right now are some really really hard places places you never dreamed of being and you're there and god wants to say i'm there too and i love you and i'm with you and i'm for you and i'm going to provide you those who walk alongside you so you know that you're not alone god's people are suffering and they need a shepherd and then but ultimately god himself is our ultimate shepherd i read it this morning uh psalm 23 that's a famous the lord is my shepherd you hear it a lot of funerals memorial services it's a great reminder that god himself he is our shepherd but one of the passages you may not have read is ezekiel 34 it's a prophet in the old testament and he's, he looks at the leaders the shepherds of israel and he says guys what are you doing you're supposed to be feeding the sheep and you're feeding yourself you're supposed to be protecting them and you care about more about your own reputation. You're doing so many things for your selfish gain and you're leaving my sheep. They're being scattered. They're being persecuted. They're hearing all the wrong things. Where are you? And here's what God says in Ezekiel 34, years before Jesus comes. He says, that's it. I myself am gonna shepherd my people. I myself am gonna come and rescue the broken. I myself am gonna bind up their wounds. I myself am gonna feed them. I'm going to do it and then you read through scripture and you realize it's jesus he is that good shepherd he is our ultimate shepherd he is the one that god promised would come that's been god's a plan from all along god created us in the beginning to be shepherded by him and sin and rebellion drove us from him but god didn't give up on us and god is ultimately going to be our shepherd and these elders that became our elders they're to point to the one who's the true elder They're going to point to the one who's the true shepherd. He is the one. So what does it mean uh, to, actually, Peter says, shepherd the flock. What does it mean? Well, you know, sheep are dumb. Sorry, that's how we're described. And they don't even know if they eat all of the pasture in one place. They don't know to go look somewhere else. They'll stay there. They need a shepherd to lead the flock to pasture. So elders, what do you do? You lead this flock to pasture. And how do you do that you continually lead this flock to jesus you go before them you don't drive them you don't put your shoulder to them and and try to plow into them you lead by example you winsomely woo them and you always woo them to jesus you feed the flock what do we feed the flock with there's only one thing it's god's word and in here we find jesus is the bread of life so we don't feed you with a political stance We don't feed you with our opinion. Uh, We don't feed you with with other things. Hopefully, we can come alongside you and give you some wisdom. But ultimately, elders, what we are called to feed is to feed God's people God's word. That's the nourishment to their soul. That's the only thing that's inerrant, infallible, never lead them astray. So, elders, our, 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 our goal, hold high this word. Hold high. Live it out. You know, it's not our opinion. This is it. So we reflect that. We feed the flock. We protect the flock. Elders are here to protect the flock uh, from the threats that are outside. And there are a lot. And from the threats that are inside. Sadly, there are a lot. So what do we protect the church from? Heresy? From wolves who look like sheep that are among us? You protect the flock. How do you do that? Will you provide oversight? Oversee the flock. Now here's here's a beautiful thing. You care for the flock's needs. Hey, if there's a need in there, you know, they can't make, a, they can't make rent. They don't have food. Uh, they need some help with whatever. And you give your deacons to come alongside them as well. You, you care for the flock's needs. But you do more than just that. You discipline the flock's heirs. No one likes that. You know, it's interesting that you members took a vow saying, yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to hold up these leaders. But well, here's what it means. If one of you decides, you know what, your wife of uh, many years uh, isn't cutting it anymore, uh, you found a newer model uh, that's better for you, that's going to make you happier, uh, that you uh, you want to leave the old one and go on to the new, um, you know, we're going to see that, hey, wait, marriage is from of the Lord, um, that this is something that is for better or for worse. And so an elder will try to come alongside you and exhort you, encourage you, say, hey, you know what, you made vows, you, you know, what are you doing? Um, And i've seen it and this is my 30th year of ministry um and people love to 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 be shepherded uh when their needs are being met um, but they don't like to be shepherded oftentimes when they're being confronted uh none of us do but a good shepherd will protect the sheep by telling you the truth in love now it should be in love and we should be careful because we too could fall into temptation Let me tell you something about every elder and every pastor like myself standing before you. I am just like you, a broken sinner desperately needing Jesus, right? I mean, we are in this together. But God has put us leaders here uh, to protect the flock, to oversee the flock. So who is to shepherd the flock? And again, I could preach on this for for a series because it probably needs to be done. But let me just quickly say, who's to do it? Well, According to Scripture, those who are called and biblically qualified. 1 Timothy 3 tells us of qualifications for an elder titus 1 does as well but you look through scripture and you realize huh there's something interesting about this it should be the elders should be godly men who are called um so we embrace because we embrace god's word what's called the complementarian style of leadership we believe that we're all equal in christ jesus male and female that there's no greater standing as a male or a female that we are one in christ jesus but we believe we have different roles and we believe that if we're going to be obedient to scripture we follow it as it teaches us that our elders are going to be godly men but that's why we have a kcwc because you read through scripture and realize we got to have to do this together for us to truly flourish so that's who How are you, the elders, to shepherd the flock? Well, Scripture says in verse 2, they're to do it willingly and eagerly, according to God's word. Why do we do it? Well, I think Jesus said to Peter over and over and over again, Do you love me? Because motivation for serving me shouldn't be anything other than love. Elders, eagerly shepherd the flock because you love Jesus and he loves you. Shepherding the flock should be incarnational. Uh, You should be living it out. Uh, Verse 3, not domineering uh, those in your charge, but by being examples, by living it out. Incarnational means you live out the reality of the gospel and scripture, that you are the aroma of Christ, elders, that you are a letter, an epistle of Christ to the world, written by the Holy Spirit, that we could read your life, and as we read your life, we read the gospel incarnationally. It's interesting. Uh, it's a quote that's been batted around, and it may or may not be from St. Francis of Assisi. But it says, "Preach the gospel at all times, and use words if necessary." Elders, preach the gospel with your life at all times, uh, and when necessary, use words, because it is necessary sometimes for you to understand the gospel, but live it out incarnationally. Elders, joyfully shepherd the flock. Do it with joy, um, not with groaning. Man, 30 years of ministry. Sometimes shepherding a flock, you want to groan. Sheep, sometimes smell. They often go in the wrong direction. Uh, Sometimes they're hard to follow. Sometimes you want to say, are you kidding me? But we should do it joyfully. Why? Because Jesus did it joyfully for us. You should do it expectantly, shepherding the flock. Why? Because Jesus, the chief shepherd, is coming back. And elders, let me remind you, you're not it. Jesus is. And your job is to reflect him. You are what's called a vice regent. I mean, you're you're like, you're you're there for him, but he's the one, he's the goal, he's the point, he's the purpose. So do it expectantly because he's coming back. And you will receive a crown of glory. But also do it with accountability. Why? Because it says in Hebrews 13, 17, elders will have to give an account. That's pretty scary. How, how did you do it with King's Chapel? How did you do loving them? Did you speak truth? Did you come alongside him? You're going to have to give an account. So how should you, the flock, respond to the elders we see in verse 5? You should be uh, humble and and honor them. Be subjective to your elders. It says, be subjective to the elders or obey the elders and submit to them. Never obey them if they are contrary to God's word. But if they are going along God's word um, and make sure that they've been placed over you, uh, we should be walking in subjection. That's a terrible word these days i mean it's a word that people really have, it's like really who are they um, but listen according to scripture uh they've been placed over us all authority has been given to us by god we honor god by honoring them and by following their lead are they fallible you know they are are they going to make mistakes yep but what has god said honor humbly follow uh not blindly but biblically be subjective to your elders and then be clothed in humility Humble as Jesus humbled himself. Clothe yourself with humility. King's Chapel, it's a historic day. And on this day, may we commit, listen, on this day, may we commit ourselves to Jesus, our chief shepherd. May we look to Jesus and Jesus alone for our hope, our strength, and our life. But may we honor the gifts that Jesus has given to us as leaders, as elders deacons, the deaconess. But remember, all hands on deck. You're the church. We need you. Let's flourish for God's glory right here in this community. All hearts engaged, all minds transformed, all knees bent for the glory of our great God, for the good of our neighbor. Amen? Amen. Let's, Let's pray. Now, Father God, we thank you for this challenge that Peter gave to us. And God, it's so awesome to hear Peter say, as a fellow elder among you, you got to shepherd the flock. And God, we just hear the echo uh, as we look to Peter of Jesus' words to him saying, Hey, Peter, do you love me? Do you really love me? If so, you're going to take care of these sheep of mine. And God, what a privilege it is for, for the elders, for the pastor uh, that is an elder, uh, to shepherd the flock, to feed the flock. But we acknowledge we have nothing that we could give to the flock that doesn't come from you. That we just stand by God's grace in a place that Jesus has us stand. And we're to just point this flock to you, Jesus. Jesus, would you help the elders to do that? God, would you help us to honor uh, honor them and, and walk in subjection to them? God, we thank you for our deacons. We talk more about the elders today, but God, we thank you for these godly men and our deaconess that they really help help us serve you by the way they serve and set the example by the way they set this place up to worship you would you bless them God we're so grateful for our KCWC for these godly women we so need to hear their insight to flourish as your church would you bless them but God I pray for the person who didn't stand up here maybe even a guest that God if they're yours They're a vital part of the church, the glorious body of Christ. All hands on deck. Why? For the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.